Tonight's conversation um, is a, a story of, uh, of uh, a young man I'm sure you have met because at some point or another, he guarded you to your parking bay in the parking lot. Johannes uh, has a remarkable story and uh, was very impactful this morning and um, we'll share it again and then I'll do a different message uh, connected to God's grace over our lives. Um, but I also want to acknowledge that the dentist working on Johannes, and you'll see the significance of that in a moment, is in the service uh, here tonight. So would you like to say thank you in advance to Lizette Frindling? Now, the humor behind that for me is that about five years ago, I went to her dad, Dr. Neil Frindling, and um, he kind of redid my teeth. And I haven't been on tick <laughs> at all. He said, but I think we need to help you. There's something going on there with your sort of rabbit teeth. So I want to thank you for laughing at that. That's wonderful. It's the narcissism humor. It did such an amazing job that I, I proudly announce that uh, I've had work done. Um, um, but um, uh, grateful now that his daughter, also a dentist, both with the state and in private practice, has really gone out of her way to make part of the story a reality. For the next six minutes, it's over to Johan on a video clip. Now that my smile is back uh, to cover up the past that I had, I've at the age of eight, when I went to the children's home, I thought, my life's over, my family doesn't want me. So I uh, resulted in drugs and alcohol abuse as a youngster. I went as far as heroin. I lost a friend from my childhood due to heroin. And carrying him to hospital was the wake-up call that I had to not even go back for my stuff. I'd leave it there. Did you? Did you? My friend was declared dead on arrival at hospital, and I said no more. Because he used my needle, which I, that day, I wanted an extra dose. So mine was stronger than his, and he mainstreamed straight. So my needle killed him, which was the wake-up call to say, that's not my life. Not so much as heroin and old, but took. I used at least four a day just to get over my self-pity and feel good about myself. If I knew back then the damage I'm causing, not just to the teeth, but the body self. I mean, sometimes I uh, know when you have a abscess in your mouth, you know about it. Yeah. I, I didn't even know when I went back to the dentist to get the fork in front pulled. She's like, did you hurt yourself in your mouth? I'm like, no. It's the gum. Some places are dead because of the drugs. At Vister is one of my neighbors. Same time that I was going to go show face at church, because that's how I was, who I was. 
Ah, uh, where you off to? Now I'm going to church. Long story small. She then invited me to father's house. Me saying, I'm not going to your father's house. I'm going to church. Yes, but it is a church. I'm like, come again. Since when is there a father's house church? That name caught you off guard a bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I thought I'm going for lunch with her now. Okay. Meantime, she invited me to church. Left side of the stage, last row from the moms and babies section, yes. third chair in. That was my first seat. And like Lloyd and whoever asked me, how do you find church? I just want to move in. It's been home since day one. Amazing. You still sit on that side. Whenever I look Every now and then I'm it. on that side because that's where I stand for worship. Yeah, you like to come and stand. In fact, I remember you with a beard yes, and all of that standing there by the communion yes, and dancing and worshiping yes, that's, in, in church. That is my my holy of holies. That's your, your spot. Session, yeah. There. What, so, what, do you, what do you get out of being in the parking lot, Jonas? It's just that, you know, I know some of us wake up grumpy and you're not really less for the day and all that. So for me to be out there and giving people a smile or just a wave, it, it warms myself because I now can give someone else a greeting, though not in person, just a wave like a I, yeah, I mean, for instance, the past Sunday, I just, the inner child, I had the sticker on the earring and that got everyone laughing and joyous and was that the yes the one star that fell so i plucked it on myself and yeah it's just that environment out there amongst ourselves within the parking service we've built like a little group that if one's not there or not able to come self the other one will go in like a little family out yeah there. it's before Young Guns got moved into the warehouse, we used to sit in between the services, ready to jump and serve the in and out of the second service Amazing. back then. Yeah. This used to be our little headquarters, basically, in between. You said something I found interesting. You said um, you didn't want to be paid to serve. No. Even though you, at the time and, and Still today, things are tough. You were telling yes. me earlier you're on short time at the moment, you're about to get into full-time work, but even though you could use the money? Yes. You didn't I've, want to be paid? No, I've, see, I've got, because I was in a children's home since the age of eight, I've been from home to home, to shelter, now at Vistras. All of those places are non-profits. I've been helped all my life. So why must I accept payment for me helping you? I'm serving now the way I do because I've been served all my life. Now, why must I still ask for a paycheck on top of it? It's what, and also I know my pocket might not be deep enough to cover what I need. 
but the Lord always covers. Why must I worry about tomorrow if He's already there? So that is my, why I didn't want to accept the payment for service. Uh, I'm not sure I actually need to preach after that. I think you, I should say, go home and think about that. And come back next week and be list for the day. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? Get your star, put it on your forehead, just be lacquer. I feel like that is the appropriate response to testimony like that. Go home and think about it. You know, like your dad used to say, go to your room and think about it. Uh, Johannes, uh, I'm really um, amazed at uh, the, the wonderful journey that God has taken you on. Where, where are you? I mean, I'm, I left somewhere, middle, front. Where are you, Johannes? Why don't you just, why don't you just come, come stand here. Come, come let the online people see. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a few dance moves there also coming onto the stage. Uh, about a few months ago, I don't remember, maybe six months ago, um, I was having a conversation with some one of our men's groups, and I, you know, they're good friends of his and of of Johannes. And I said, guys, I, mean, I don't want to embarrass you. Can we do something about the guy's teeth? Just to bl- just like he's been in the parking lot for two years. Now. Like, is it two years? Six years. Four years. Can you guys just get together? Let's just do your sons, please. Um, but, but, I mean, a faithful. If there's somebody we can bless, you know, I think generosity, I think part of what Mike was saying on giving, and here's how I interpret it, so maybe you wanted to say something else, but I got something else out of it, is that uh, um, the river that brings life to everything originates in heaven, but it must run through us. We're the hands, we're the feet, we're the actionable. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that says that your faith is pointless. If you say to someone, be warm, then turn around and walk away. And you don't think, how am I going to get a blanket to that person to be warm? I say, what, what are you doing? You know? So we've got a very affronting verse, isn't it? So I says, let's do something. And they say, you won't believe it. we've been talking about it as a group. Let's all get together and put something together. And then, Apropos to nothing, unrelated to any of this, somebody in the front row of the morning service came and said, you know, God put on my heart about Johannes. I want to put a couple of thousand rand together and, and, and let's, let me start uh, helping with the teeth. I said, who talked to you? And they said, no, the Lord put it on my heart. And all of a sudden, you know, Mike chatted to a dentist. The dentist said, the state will do this, then you do that, I'll throw my labor in. And we're here now where faith plus works. Faith plus works. Uh, I think that's very important. And so I just want to pray over you. And by the way, he, you did get full-time work after that interview, right? Or just the day before or after, I seem to remember. I started Monday and I worked not just as a shadow. Oh, you started full-time. So that's with Hermann Brink Furniture Manufacturers. I know Hermann. Uh, a good Methodist, actually, Hermann. Going to talk about, you know him, right? And talk about the Methodists. Um, so I want to pray and just um, thank God for your story and, and for the way you worded it. I think you did chef school. 
uh, somewhere along the line. There was a longer interview. Maybe we'll post the whole thing. But he felt it wasn't what he was called to do. So I said, what, you know, what, are, what do you think you are called to do? I said, in the house of the Lord, I'm going to do something in the house of the Lord was his answer. So since it wasn't a job interview, I deleted that part of the, for another day. <laughs> Let's pray. Do you reach out a hand towards him? Lord, thank you so much for the testimony of restoration, recovery, renewal. Thank you, Lord, that you have really saved a life, both spiritually but physically also. Thank you, Lord, that he has been set free from the shackles of blame and and self-pity as he worded it. And thank you, Lord, that you've opened a door for him to build and establish his life. We pray, Father, that you will lead him to green pastures and still waters in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Alice. Thank you. By the way, if you, if you have a story and you want to just not just put it on the wall, but email us, you're willing to go on camera, you're welcome to do that. You can pop an email off to Mike or Vince at Father's house. I mean, for a brief moment there, I thought... <laughs> you know, when somebody from the Salvation Army says it's time, the trumpet has sounded, brother. Pack your bags, meet you at the gate. Jesus is coming. <laughs> Those of you who are still single, we get married on the way out, eh? because it's just two by two. Just don't be fussy. Two by two. <laughs> ah, I think we should go to Scripture now before things unhinge completely. Um, uh, it's... it's, it's um, Oh, I wanted to say email us. And, and also next Sunday, we reboot the evening service. The students are fully back because classes start. We're going to have a Maverick City-style night of worship. No, wait, wait, wait. Much as I love the clapping, happy clappies are known for happy clapping. What I need is your faith to also have some actions, and you're going to invite some friends. Now make a nuisance of yourself about it. So what I mean is like, not like something like typed at the very bottom of your RG post or in the corner of a TikTok thing where you've got to work it out. Just straight up say to a friend, you need to go to church with me. You need to go to church with me. Uh, so I really want to invite you, uh, invite you and, we'll, and we, we've got a plan from there. It's not just a one-night deal. It's something going forward. One is tempted to think that churches are divided up into styles. Loud churches, quiet churches, historical or traditional churches, and newer modern churches. And we're tempted to think that that's what makes the difference. But it isn't that. It's the under, there's a fundamental understanding on how we relate to God out of affection and reverence that is different in different places. Just like houses are different in this kind of way. For example, in my home, I would never, and I might last year or year before my, my father passed away, but I would never, even at 50, have thought of addressing my father by his first name. In my house, if I did that, I would be going to the sound of the trumpet we were discussing earlier. The light would be coming closer and closer, and that'll be it. 
I just, it's just not something, excuse me, that you would ever consider doing. Now, I've been in homes where a person gets to 16 and they just full on calling their mom and dad by their first name. That's a way of relating. I think it's a little crazy, but it's a way. Isn't that so? It's a way of relating. <clears throat> different people respond in different ways. One set of parents might say, well, I want to be my child's best friend. And another parent will say, no, I'm a role model and a mentor. They must have best friends, but I am not one of many friends. I am a parent. I have a duty and a responsibility. Now, when it comes to our relationship with God, that's actually what makes churches different to suit different people. And I'm in no way suggesting better, just different. And I think it's very important that we understand the, the God we serve has relationship with us. And because of that, relationships are a bit different from person to person. Isn't that so? Some people, for instance, <clears throat> uh, uh, you'll get married and after a few years, five, six, ten years, couples love to say, we've never spent even one night apart. Love to say that. We just, we do everything together, we go everywhere together. But some relationships say, no, I, need, I just need to go, I just need to, I need to go on like a trip. I just need to just, me and the boys, we just need to go. Me and the girls, we just need to go on a trip. <laughs> and come back, absence makes the heart. Look how many of you, look how many of you. If your spouse is sitting next to you, shame on you. You should have been quieter. Now, some people just feel that way. And so relationships, therefore, are, dif are different. So I wanted to, in the story of the gospel of grace, divide up uh, in summary for you the Old Testament and the New Testament. And then to entrench your footing firmly in the New Testament. Because some Christians like to keep one foot in each. But you can't keep one foot in each testament. You have to be firmly footed in the New Testament with an adequate understanding of the Old Testament so we don't make the mistakes that the Old Testament revealed. In the Old Testament, God was a king and a commander and a master. It is a contractual relationship. Wasn't there a movie called Master and Commander? Russell Crowe. Yeah, that's a lot for me to know eh? as a born-again person. 2003, I believe, a summary of 29 books. <laughs> I also uh, Googled it before I got up here. Um, <clears throat> which is exactly what you're going to do when I'm done with my message. Um, but, but here's the thing. It was a contractual relationship. In other words, the reward was based on due performance. In a contract, like an employment contract, if you comply with all the requirements, you're duly rewarded. If you fail at some of those requirements, the reward can be taken away from you. But worse still, the relationship, because it's contractual, can be terminated. That was the Old Testament. And so, again and again, man trying to reach the standards set by God of what being in his family looks like in his household looks like. And the goal of the Old Testament was to teach us that no matter how much we try, we're going to fail. In fact, the Bible goes on to say that to fail in one part of the law is equal to failing in all of them. And people love to say, are you telling me that lying is as bad as murder? Well, n not in jail time. Okay. <laughs> to get, if you lie and get more jail time in South Africa, 
than murder. That was a political statement. I'm sorry, I take it back. I do feel the system is a bit unjust. I take it back. I apologize. It just seems that you can get away with. Anyway, um, moving on, we'll delete this part. That's why we're not broadcasting the evening service. That's why, that's why, in case you wondered why. Um, not, not in, not in, in human consequence, no, but in spiritual consequence, exactly the same. Immediately that we are disobedient in the smallest law, it proves the point that we are not able to be perfect in our obedience. That was the purpose of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. So to prove that there is no human being who can be perfect in obedience in order to maintain a relationship with God. Ah, except there was one, Jesus Christ, who was perfect in obedience to the Father so that the Bible says he might be the firstborn amongst us all to show us all, follow after me as I have fulfilled all of my Father's requirements. You see, what a remarkable change that is. Now in the New Testament, our relationship with God is not contractual, but it is the relationship of adoption that changes things hugely. Do you know, uh, being a father, I'm not a father, and uh, in the natural sense, I've not had children. I've been born again way too long to even make a joke about that I know of. You know, I was born again at 13. I mean, it's just, it's not even a joke that would make sense. But in order to have the title of father, you must have children. It sounds so bizarre, but it's true, isn't it? In order to have the title of father, you must have children. And God, though already having the title of creator, king of kings and lord of lords, already having the title of alpha and omega, had one title that he knew could only come through relationship. And that is the title of father. So when we pray our father, that's a big statement. It's easy to pray king, Lord, Master, Alpha, Omega. That's not our. He's that without us. Did you know that? God is God without me. Without my acts of worship and without my obedience and without my relationship, He's still God. And He's still King and He's still Ruler and He's still Creator and He's still the very first and the very last of all that is creation. But in order to be Father, He needs us. That's a, that's a beautiful picture. And there is value in understanding that because uh, it, is he, he, it is him, it is him, it is he who, it is he who initiated this relationship. John chapter 6 um, from the NIV says this. He went on, went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. Jesus is talking. Uh, from this time, uh, would you like a little bit of uh, mathematical Bible humor? Uh, look at this verse. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Uh, production, you can just stay there for a moment. John 6. Now you go to your room and you think about that. John 6, 66 says, some of the people just decided, no, I'm not following Jesus anymore. I'll explain why in a moment. Verse 37, Jesus says to his disciples, do you want to leave me too? Um, 
Jesus asked the 12. Uh, next verse, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you're the Holy One of God. And then Jesus replied, have I not chosen you, the 12? Yet one of you is a devil. Okay, just calm down. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, uh, though one of the 12, was later to betray him. Okay, so this passage of Scripture, I mean, the 666 thing is just humorous. Don't overread into it. But what had happened was the disciples were in a conversation with Jesus who were saying, the Pharisees say you must dress like this, eat like that, obey the Sabbath, etc. What must we do to be your disciples? And Jesus says to them, well, actually, you just have to be children of the Father and the Father will invite you. And they said, no, this guy is making it too easy. We're not going to follow this. We need to find someone who will punish us for our mistakes so we can feel better about our punishment. And Jesus is saying, no, I'm introducing you to a father who will love you through your mistakes until making mistakes doesn't feel as wonderful as the embrace of the favor and the love of my heavenly father. That's, that's, that's what he wanted to do. And then they were like, no, that's too hard. That's, that's really, uh, I'd rather not. And then Jesus goes on and says, in fact, I'm inviting you all. I am the one who's creating this relationship uh, with you. And that's how the 12 were called out. And then he throws in this little complication, Judas. Uh, I, I, I almost can't believe I'm going to have a conversation about Judas on a Sunday night. But Judas is a problem for a few reasons. Some people, especially critics, feel bad for Judas. Now I know you don't like him. I know. I know that he's a snivelly character in the Bible. He is a bit always with the money. If you don't know the story of Judas, always with the money. Why does this woman wash your feet with perfume? We could have sold the perfume and I could have kept it. I mean, we could have given it to the poor. Always busy. But some people feel quite bad for Judas because they feel he was invited to the father and the father was to love him. And his job was needed. Somebody had to kiss Jesus and reveal him. You know, my old joke, it's very old by now, but there are young people there and you better remember it. Judas proves that not everybody who kisses you cares about you. I'm just leaving it there. I'm just leaving it there. Don't, I'm just leaving it there. This lesson, free lesson, relationship lesson from Judas. People feel quite bad about for him because his role was needed. Somebody had to do it. Is it fair that, that his life should be so harshly judged in the writings of Scripture and harshly judged throughout all of history? But there is a beautiful hint about Judas that always strikes me when I read how his life ends. In Matthew 27, it doesn't end well, by the way, just in the natural. He actually takes the 30 pieces of silver. He feels guilty. So he goes back to the temple and he gives it back to them. He says, I don't want the 30 pieces of silver anymore. A kind of repentance. But he doesn't get over his guilt and he, he, he takes his own life. He hangs himself. Um, this is quite dramatic, hey? So the priests say, well, what are we going to do with the 30 pieces of silver? And I mean, we don't want it either. Now it's like a dead man's money. 
Religion's a funny thing, eh? It'll pay for something it doesn't want. Funny thing, that. And so the Bible says, but the chief priests took the silver pieces and said, it is not lawful to put them back into the treasury because they are the price of blood. And they consulted together and they brought with them uh, the potter's field to bury strangers in. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Judas was buried in a field especially bought with his money for him. And it was called the potter's field. It's actually apparently a place you can go to now still. And the beauty of that is that there is this reference to the potter's field. Because in Jeremiah, the Bible talks about how that the clay and the potter have this relationship where we are the clay and he is the potter. And while he was, the potter was making something, it got damaged. But the story in Jeremiah goes on to say, but God put that same lump of clay, damaged as it was, back on the wheel. And he made something beautiful of it again. And somewhere in my heart, I think that burying him on the potter's field was a way of saying, maybe God can take this broken person. And somewhere between here and eternity can make something beautiful from something broken again. So that it can really be true that Jesus says that no one can pluck you out of my Father's hands. That it can really be true that Jesus says that whatever we entrust in him, God is faithful to keep until the final day. I want to encourage you that our story of faith, grace, and the redemption of what God does in our lives, this good news, which I've boldly said is even good news for Judas, should encourage you, give you confidence that God won't fail you at being a good parent. And he will never fail us at being a loving father. I want to encourage you that God is is flawless as a father. That no matter what happens in your life that disappoints him, or you feel disappointed in yourself for, that God will, like the prodigal son's story, wait for the slightest sign from you that you're ready to get out of that pig pen. He'll wait. And the slightest sign from you, he'll come and pull you right out of that situation and transform your life. God is a good God. And he is a heavenly father. And he waits for our response to an invitation that he initiated. I've long since learned to stop saying that I found God. I've stopped saying that because God was never lost. And I was not able to find him somewhere in the massness of the universe. It is better to simply say, God found me. Because when you say that, then you say, I was lost. And God rescued thee. Then by saying that, you say, I was the injured party. And he was the whole party. And he came to me and rescued me, found me, restored me, renewed me, and set me on a healthy path of restoration and redemption. God rescued me. And when you do that, something really powerful happens. I want to encourage you to acknowledge that God expects us to be the weaker one in the relationship. 
Romans 8 says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we don't even know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through uh, uh, through uh, 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 wordless groans. And He who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. You know, this verse is suggesting that there might even be times in our lives we don't even know what to pray anymore. Have you ever prayed yourself finished? I've done that. I've done that. When I've prayed about something so much that I actually can't find fresh words to pray about it anymore. And this verse says, when, when all we're left with is wordless groans. Let me give you an example of some of your prayer life. Amen. Amen, Lord. Some of us, some of you, you know, some of you are charismatic groaners. Oh, Lord. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, dear Lord. You know, not a sentence, you know, with all the ingredients that a sentence requires that you learned about in grade eight. Just, do you know what the Bible says? Even if that's all you're capable of in the present state of your strength-weakness relationship, the Spirit takes the, oh, Lord, and turns it into words in heaven that intercede powerfully on our behalf. He doesn't hear your groans nor see your weaknesses. It is translated by the Spirit of God into words in the Father's ear. It is translated by a mediator, Jesus Christ, who can translate your nonsense into something spiritual to the Father and say, I know what he means. Let me tell you what he means. Tell you what he means. That's what we have, an intercessor on our behalf. God anticipates that and so prepares by sending us the Spirit to make us strong. Uh, I want to secondly encourage you that he is not only a flawless father, but he's a, he's a, he's a master builder. Your master building takes time, so much time. I know I'm about to go over time. I have one minute and 11 seconds. I am not a wise master builder. He is, I'm over time. But I watched a ridiculous program the other day. Something about why are Chinese teapots so expensive? You know, that's when you fall into a YouTube rabbit hole. You're like, okay, I'm here now. At the why is this so expensive section. Some of you are like, ah, I saw one of those yesterday. And I was quite blown away. You know, you know you've got the, the knockoff ones now. Um, you know, they've got these little dots on them all over. It takes someone a year to make one. A year. Now you bring it, you buy it, and then you don't know what to do with this, so you put a plant in there. Just show a bit of respect to the guy who took a year to make those bumps by hand. Stop it. You're making jokes, hey, but you're laughing, I mean, but I'm going to come hard at you now because you know what I'm about to say, that your heavenly father took a lifetime to shape and mold you into something. Now you go take that thing and you misuse and abuse the vessel of what God was trying to make and you turn it into a vegetable patch when he's trying to make it. And we went into the red there. Wise craftsman. Uh, you might have a defect or a flaw, but he knows how to weave it. You see, uh, 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 the Bible says, uh, we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. The ingredient necessary to turn everything into good is that God loves you. That's the ingredient. 
He doesn't do it for someone he doesn't love. He loves you, he called you, and out of his affection and love for you, he'll fix it. God works all things together for the good is not the full sentence. And we need to learn the full sentence. Because he loves me and has a purpose for me, he will work all things together for the good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. Finally, God is a compassionate rescuer. And what I mean by that is that nothing you reveal to him is surprising to him. He knew that the day he bought the package. When he said, I want you to be my child, he knew your beginning from the end and knows everything in it. Now, an employment contract doesn't work like that. An employment contract says, your private business is your private business. Get my job done, you get the reward. But a father says, when you're down, I'm there. And when you win, I'm there. And when you're being pushed around and punished, I'm there. And when you think you're on your own, I'm there. And when you want me at a distance, I'll be there. And when you need me as close as breath, I'm there. It doesn't have to be in the contract because it's in the relationship. And you know, sometimes you don't know this yet because most of you are so young, dear Lord. You don't know this yet. You don't know what you're still going to say to the Father that you never expected to say. Was it in the contract? Oh, Lord. I plan to just have a good marriage and we're here. It's not good. I've messed up or they've messed up. And God will go, it's in the relationship, even if it's not in a contract. I'm your dad. I'll walk you through this until you come to full joy and healing again. It's in the relationship. The relationship is robust, is what I'm saying. I want to encourage you that restoration is a work of the Spirit, a work of God. Uh, Restoration is this remarkable thing that only the Spirit can do in us, and that is to restore us to heaven's plan, not even to our own earthly pattern. I don't want to be the best version of me that I have seen. I want to be the best version of me that he has seen. I want to invite you to engage in a relationship with God where his love for you results in gratitude from you. Gratitude from you. Let me put it this way as we close. Um, I have these friends who, um, they have this giving competition going on. I'm in the competition. So, We'll go out and eat, and they'll go, my turn to pay. And every now and then, um, you might even be like this. Uh, they sneak out to go to the bathroom, but they go pay. It's so annoying. Because now I'm indebted. Do you know what I mean? Now I don't let them go to the bathroom. I don't care. Hold it in, because I know your sneaky ways. <laughs> I get your sneaky ways. So what they do is, while I'm not looking, while I'm still I'm asking or having my last sip, while I'm still enjoying the benefit, 
that snuck out and paid the bill. And the result of that for me is thinking of ways of evening the score, you know. So I feel I ought to do that, you know. So I've even pre, like I've prearranged, like, listen, I'm going to come with these friends, and then, listen, I don't care what they say, you give me the bill, you give me the bill. But there, you know, a few people in my life, they think it's sort of a ministry or something, and they, they, they sneak out and they keep doing it. And the result is it builds a gratitude and an affection and a refusal to take advantage. I noticed that I, I picked... Um, Cheaper items on the menu. Because I don't want to be that guy. You know, when you're in your 20s, you think that the best meal is the most expensive one on the menu. You must just know the restaurant owner knows that. (laughs) He puts last week's overstock as the most expensive item on the menu. Those suckers are going to buy it. It's going to go. It, it, It makes me... And then I did something else. Then I thought, okay, well, I'm never going to win with these guys. They've got much... Um, fancier credit cards than me. They've got like almost invisible ones now. I mean, we've gone up so many rankings, you know, gold and platinum and titanium, and now we're at the invisible card, which is, is quite true, actually. Um, also, uh, here's my response. I'm, not, I'm just not going to, I just can't seem to catch up with them, so I do it for someone else. I'm that guy. I invite a few people Come have coffee with me. And then when they say, we're going to split the bill, eh? I'm the guy going to the loo. And I'm the guy tapping the card. And with a little smirk on my face, I watch them go, "Ah." and some of them are so young, they still order the most expensive item on the menu. So every now and then I cull the list and reduce it to fewer people. But I'm the one. And the point of that in conclusion is that when he has snuck away to the outside of the city gates on a hill and paid for your meal, and you're never going to catch up, and there's no way you're going to sneak behind him and say, I'll pay you back. Well, then the only thing you can do is make less debt. And I'll pay somebody else's. And then you get it. I'm in relationship with a heavenly Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Would you please stand with me? Thank you, Vince. I'm going to do a prayer. I'm going to remind you that you don't have to rush off. I mean, Jesus is good. There's no load shedding. You can have coffee in the light. And you can write your story. And you can have communion. You can ask someone to pray for you personally. This is family. 
you're welcome to stick around. Father, we thank you that we, we can use that description. Title you as Father. Not just master and commander with a contractual relationship at permanent risk of termination, uh, a reward-based system governed by our performance or non-performance, none of that. Thank you. That you redefined the uh, boundaries of our relationship and moved it from contract to covenant, from from slave to son, from, from, from permanent to, from temporary to eternal. Thank you that you, you have paid the price and taught us to live with humility and gratitude and carry somebody else's burden in exchange. It seems so natural in response to so great a gift as the gift of grace. Holy Spirit, you please teach us to be wise with this gift in Jesus' name. And everybody said, would you give God a shout of praise and worship and thanksgiving?